What's up everyone, welcome to the Life Livers Academy. I'm Jamie O'Donnell and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people, ideas, mindsets and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams, unlock your potential and live life to the fullest each day. Get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life, having fun and dominating their chosen path. I appreciate you tuning in, now let's get this episode underway. So it's my pleasure to have uh, my guest on the show today, Sione Falmoena. Uh, Sione is an ex-NRL superstar, Kiwis Rugby League representative, uh, whose career was cut short uh, due to some off-field incidents uh, and some adversity outside of the game. Uh, but since the, since the premature finish of Sione's career, he's gone on to rebuild, uh, becoming an author with the book The Second Phase, and now the founder of Athlete Empire, where he uses his story, his experiences to help players build personal brands and livelihoods outside of the sport. So uh, I'm fascinated to dive in and talk about Sione's career uh, and also what he's doing now to help players, uh, you know, build the best life for themselves possible uh, outside of the game. So Sione, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, hey, thanks a lot, Jamie. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be on. Cool, bro. Well, let, let's start with your playing career, man. I mean, I'm a huge NRL fan. I'm a big Warriors fan. Uh, so I followed your playing, playing days very closely. Uh, and on the field, uh, you know, it was amazing to watch. You were someone who had unbelievable talent for someone of your size. I think, you know, you're a sort of a lock second rower who could slot in at first at 5'8 and, and ball handle and you could do it all. Uh, on the field, it looked very glamorous. It looked like you were living the dream, but off the field, quite different. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that you don't expect when you come into that life as a professional athlete. Um, I know I did it. I uh, I started my career at the the Raiders, uh, went over there when I was 18 and debuted the following year in first grade. So um, I was uh, was a bit, what's the best way to describe it? Whether it's naive or um, I just know that, man, at the time I was like, this is awesome, right? Here I am getting paid to play a sport. There's nothing better (laughs) to do right now. So yeah, I I was fortunate. Was that always your dream as a kid? No, it wasn't. That's the thing. It's it was never my dream to to play in the NRL or to play sport professionally. I actually had no idea what I wanted to do as a kid. But what I did know was that I, I loved playing sport or sport. Um, so I had maybe a bit of an inkling that maybe sport would play a part in my life, a big part of my life. I just didn't know how. Um, and then the first real sport I found a love of was basketball, and that's when I moved from Auckland to Wellington. Um, and playing for my school team and then making representative sides. It was at that point where I really wanted to make a goal of it as a, as a, as a career. I was right. playing, for, playing basketball as a professional. Um, and so, but there were, there were a couple of players that, that kept getting picked in front of me. You know, they, I don't know, they ended up playing for the Tall Blacks and stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, you had, to choose, uh, you had to choose a different path. Yeah, and then, you know, and, but yeah, pretty much. But how I chose rugby league was by pure accident. I moved from Wellington back to Auckland and my childhood mate uh, who I grew up with, he was playing rugby league. And he just said, come give league a go. Um, and I was like, yeah, all right then. So I went, played a, yeah, played a game in March and then in November I was lining up for preseason training at the Raiders. <laughs> all right. How old were you at this point? 18. All right. That's fast. Eh? So you just said, like, 
what was that like going from that? I mean, I guess that kind of leads into sort of some of the, the off-field stuff that happened. Mm. You know, when you were, you go from a teenager and possibly not even, you know, having that dream on the radar to all of a sudden being a professional athlete, obviously, you know, you're idolised by people, you have a big public profile, your life's thrown into the spotlight. That mm. must be hard at that age. Yeah, it was, big time. It's, um, and like you said, I, I didn't, have aspirations of it even when I was 18 to play in the NRL and uh, it was just something that that sort of almost fell on my lap you know I had a go at league went all right and then um, there I am lining up against um, Laurie Daly Brett Mullins training alongside these players and I'm like what is going on here like um, and then like I said the following year I debuted and so um, I it's it's a life that I had no idea what would eventuate, and so when you're 19 years of age and you know you're earning pretty good coin, if you're not prepared for it, uh, man, it can it can really swallow you up. Yeah, for sure. What what were those first years like for you as a player? I mean, you you were thrown into the spotlight pretty quickly, and you know you became a superstar of the NRL very quickly what was that like for you I mean like at that point yeah, you didn't want to play professional you maybe hadn't you know decided as a child that you were going to go out and pursue that dream but once you were living it that must have been an incredible lifestyle um yeah it was and I'm not gonna lie it was especially when you come from you know my upbringing and background we didn't have much we weren't poor but we weren't well off and so you know, my family and myself included, we had never seen, I guess, that sort of money before. And so when I came into that money, all I wanted to do was, was spend it, have a good time, uh, look after my parents. So one of the first things I did when I came back from the Raiders was I purchased a house for my whole family and I cleared all mum and dad's debt. So for me, that was two boxes ticked and then the rest was all for me, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's how I looked at it was like, all right, I've done this for my siblings and mum and dad and so now the rest is all mine. And, and man, I just, it's just crazy um, when you're, you know, in your early 20s and, and, and you're getting heaps of money for playing a sport. I just sort of, yeah, it's, I was definitely living the lifestyle. I was buying the flash cars getting the flash clothes, um, eating out all the time. Um, but while that's happening, everyone recognises you. Mm. And so everywhere you go. And it didn't help that in the first two years at the Warriors when I was there, we made the grand final, minor premiers. And so we were, we were bigger than the All Blacks yeah. during those two years. Um, and so it was crazy. And when you're a young Polynesian kid who's pretty much like – I've never had to, I've never dealt with that before. It was all new to me. And so you, are, you start to find ways of how to deal with it. And one of the ways that I did was obviously, you know, I started sort of partying and drinking a lot more than, than what I'd been used to. <laughs> yeah, talk to me about that side of things. Because like I said, in, you know, when we first started, like on the field, it, it seemed like the fairy tale, you know, you, you some amazing performances, you you had a skill set that captured everyone and made people want to watch rugby league. You know, like the Warriors at the time were known for that 
throw the ball around that kind of fresh style and attacking approach of rugby league. It was, it was like it took the whole NRL by storm, you know, and you were a big part of that style of play and the guys around you, you had an amazing team, like you said, minor premiers. Where, when did it start to unravel? Like we, you, you must have been an, a focused guy to get to that level and, mm. and you must have been someone who trained hard and worked hard and understood that side of things. What, what happened where it started to, to go down that slippery slope? Man, that's a good question. I think 2004 was the turning point. Um, that's when it sort of went to custard for the club and the team. Um, I think we lost the first six games of the 2004 season. And then, you know, when everything's going well, like everyone loves you, right? It's all like, this is awesome. But as soon as stuff to, starts to go south, excuses start to come up, finger pointing. <laughs> and and it's like well now what and so for me that was the start of sort of a, a downward spiral and I got to a point where I wanted to walk away from the game um, uh, you know by drinking it, it really started to sort of hit that sort of like I was drinking just to escape um, and um, and so by the end of 2004 I was lucky to even still have a contract um, I had a few incidences off the field and um, and so 2005 rolled around and I sort of made a commitment to like, you know what, let's, let's try and, and give this a real crank. And our, our team didn't go too well that, that year in 05. I think we just missed out on the top eight by two points. Um, but it was, it was a great sort of learning experience for me in terms of personal development, you know, man, this is what I'm capable of when I start to actually you know, uh, use, use the talent as well as having the, the right state of mind to, to improve. So, hmm. what, were, what were some of the key changes that you made? Like, was it, was it that you just cleaned up things off the field in terms of alcohol and stuff like that? Was it that you got more focused and set goals for yourself? Was there, was there certain things that contributed to that change? Yeah, there's two big ones. One was I got off alcohol. Um, for an extended period of time and I started to sort of find my um, I guess my belief again uh, with God so I started to reconnect back uh, with God and with church the second one um, was my mindset and so what I mean by that is I approached every game like I was the best bloody and I'm not you know I'm not ashamed to say that um, because every time I stepped down the field in 2005, I knew that I was that good that I could turn the game. And that's the, the, the mindset that I took. And I guess what backs that up is I, I got the most play of the days that year out of any other player. So, um, and I'm still filthy. I didn't get play of the year that year. <laughs> right? um, and, I, and look, I've never said this publicly. I wrote it in my book, but I was absolutely livid I didn't get player of the year because one of the visions that I had for that year was I wanted my photo on that wall right. as the 2005 player of the year Siona Fongula and that's what I that's what I was aiming for personally and I knew that that goal would be enough for me to be the player that my team needed me to be. Was that the first time you'd set those type of goals for yourself like based on a season? Ever, ever right first time uh, all year Years before that was just, there was no goal setting. It was just go out and play as well as you can. Right. Uh, 2005 was the year that, you know, this is, 
this is where I want to be. And so um, I guess for me, one of the outcomes to come out of that year was, yes, we didn't make the playoffs in, in, uh, in 2005, but I was one of uh, two, three players that got asked to go and play in the UK on a short-term contract. So one was Adrian Morley and the other one was Andrew Johns. <laughs> pretty good company. Uh, and he, pretty good company, right? And then I remember Nathan Fiend came up to me and goes, bro, how did you get that? And I said, did you see the year I had? So, <laughs> um, but, you know, and so, and, and for me, I know that what I'm speaking about now, a lot of athletes won't admit to at the time, like right now. Um, and so, and you'll very rarely see footy players come out and say, oh, I'm the best signal role in the comp, right? And I'm not ashamed to share what I've just shared now, and I wish I shared it while I was playing because that is something that really does um, assist players is having that confidence. Um, and it's not cockiness, but it's more so like, man, this is what I believe in, this is what I feel, right? Um, and the mindset that I had now if I was playing back then, it would have been, we're going to win the comp. I don't care what anyone yeah. else says, right? We're going to win the comp. No one said that at the club. Really? That's fascinating, bro. Right. Because so, yeah. I've been just watching the Michael Jordan um, series that's coming out on Netflix. And obviously, you know, I'm fascinated with athletes like Kobe Bryant and guys like that who just have that mentality where they, it's, you know, the Steph Currys of the world. They mm. just, winning is everything. That's why they play. They're so driven. They lift everyone up around them. When Was there guys around you that helped you from that sort of 2003, 2004 period through to 2005 where you started to get a clearer vision for yourself and actually like start to get that belief in that, I guess, championship mindset? Or was that something that you came up with yourself? Um, it was, I think it was more, um, I'm trying to pinpoint, I think in 04 we had a sports psych um, come in and do some work. Uh, didn't didn't do well. Obviously, if, we, if, 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 he's, if we're paying him based on results, we came second to last. Um, but the one thing activity that he he took us through was visualization, and that's when I started to really like it. In the way for I knew that okay, this is I'm gonna start doing this because I don't know, man. Deep down inside, I knew that I had the potential to be one of the best players in the comp, right? Um, and so I remember McWatson um, come up to me. I think around the start of 2005, and he said, Sione, he, he goes, mate, Peter Sterling, I had a chat with Peter Sterling, he said, you're one of the most gifted players he's ever seen. Um, and so when when I look at it like that, I'm like, flip, man, you know? And in 05, and I, and I think, I don't know if I wrote this in my book, but every time um, we were behind in a game, the call would come from the coach's box to give the ball to me. Right. And it was every time we were behind. And I'm not even exaggerating. You could probably ring up Kempi and ask him. Like, and, and, and then, you know, it would be, Shani needs to get more involved. Hurry up. You need to get in the game. You need to, like, it was every time. And so, for me, I relished that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, give me the ball. Right? Which is why, like, you'd never see me run lines. I just, all I wanted was the ball in, in my hand. And my teammates would know, okay. Just be ready. <laughs> Just be ready. You know, I would, man, if I see it, I'll grab it on the second. Yeah. Um, like, because that's the way um, I played. Yeah. And it's great when your teammates know that that's the way you play. 
fast forward to when I got sacked and went to the Cowboys, it was just totally different. Right? Here I am going to the Cowboys playing alongside JT, and me and JT are going like this. Really? Because right? he's telling me to run a line, and I'm saying, give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, uh, but I, look, I had an awesome time up there, and, and me and um, me and JT sort of worked it out. I sat down with the coach, and we were like, okay, you know, give and take. You run JT a few lines, and then he'll give you an early ball here and there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's sweet. So, um, but it's all part of the learning process, I think. Oh, 100%, bro. Who, what, what was JT like to play with? Out of all the, the players that you've played alongside, are there a couple that stand out for you in terms of that leadership and that kind of greatness? Is yeah. JT one of them? Yeah, look, uh, I have to say JT is heading above, um, you know, like uh, when it comes to everything, leadership, um, attitude. And, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned um, you're watching the, you know, the, the last dance doco about Jordan and, you know, you speak about Steph Curry. JT is, I put him in that same mindset. Yeah. Like literally that dude just, he's a winner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's a winner. And um, he, he's not, he's not in the style of the American type of athletes where they'll flip and like, you know, you watch the doco or, or you hear is Michael having a go at his teammates all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like JT would have a go at us on the field, but it wouldn't be to the extent in trainings and stuff. But he would just give you a glance and a look at trainings if he knows you. But the way JT would push himself physically and mentally, he's just, yeah, man, there's a reason why you know, he's probably one of the greatest to play the game. Yeah, you can see it. I mean, you get, how many times has he grabbed the ball in the final minutes of a game when everything's on the line and just taking complete ownership? You can see it straight away. But um, it's fair. What... What separates a guy like him off the field? Like, does he, is he just that in life in general? Like, does he approach, the way he approaches everything outside of sport the same? Or what's the situation there? Nah, man. So the thing with JT away from footy is he was like a joker, right? He's a larrikin, loves to have a laugh. Um, and, and I think that was important, right? I think that was really important. Um, not just for JT, but I think for most footy players, um, you got to have that balance um, because you can't be all go, go, go. Like I've played with a player who was just football was his life, like Brett Finch, you know? Yeah. I'm like, let's say we're playing a game and we're at the hotel and he's talking about 1987 grand final. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> like, cuz, come on, man. Like, you know, it's just, and, and, and I think, the thing with someone like JT, it was great to have that, that balance, right? When it was time to switch on, he switched on. And you look at like Michael Jordan, right? He loved playing golf. Stephen Curry's flipping. I think Stephen Curry hits off a scratch. Like, you know, they have this purposefully so they can purposely switch off. Um, but when it's time to switch on, it's all on. Right? Mm. There's no, you know, wavering when I'm on. Let's, let's get this done. So, and that's the thing with JT. Um, and, and you'll probably find most of the, the really elite players, you know, the Cameron Smiths, the, they, they're, they're all the same. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I was pretty fortunate enough with JT. Yeah, yeah, he definitely stands out as one of those guys, obviously, when you're just watching as a fan, 
But um, what, what is it like for, for any young kid out there who's sort of, you know, 18 to 20 or whatever, who's got aspirations to make it in professional sport? Looking back on what you've learned from your career just around the mindset side of things, what are some of the key attributes in terms of mindset that someone should apply if they're serious about actually cracking it and becoming a great player in whatever code they're playing? Yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome, awesome question. You see, I know that, that someone like JT, uh, Cameron Smith, those sorts of players, they dreamt of winning a premiership. They lived to look to, like, they played to win a premiership. Mm. And so for a young aspiring, I guess, player or athlete, um, you've got to be driven by that and, and understand that that's why you get paid is to win. But it's not the actual money that drives you. It's the it's the legacy you're going to get when you win a premiership, when you become a gold medalist, when you become world champion of the world. You know, it's it's that's what drives you. If you don't have that as a main purposeful goal, then you'll you'll probably start to see um, that your your actions will be totally different to someone who has that mindset. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna win a premiership. You know. And so, looking back, I wish I had done that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wish that, I'd, I'd been driven by that. Yeah, because that that passion and that purpose is where a lot of that those extra yards and stuff come in, right? They're the guys that that want to be out there doing stuff. They're looking for ways to improve. They're constantly striving for better to get. The, you know, Richie McCaw is another example of a guy like that. Um, whereas if you're just kind of in it for the money or the fame or whatever, then you probably get caught up in that and you don't take those moves that you need to make to actually be great. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, um, look, sorry if you can hear my kids in the back. Oh, no worries, bro. It's locked down. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife should know. I told her I was on a call. Um, but yeah, and you're exactly right. If you're in it just for the money, um, the fame and all that, you'll get found out. You'd be lucky to even make it. Mm-hmm. All right? um, but yeah, it's funny you bring up someone like Richie McCall, even Dan Carter. Like I saw, a doc, I think, a little interview or... Um, with Dan Carter, how his dad bought him a goalpost set in his backyard. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's, he started kicking goals over like 10, 20, and then he started to go across the road. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's what separates um, yeah. the players um, from going on to achieve greatness. Um, and what, so, yeah. what about for kid? Because I think, is, like, obviously, you're, you're, you've touched on it already with self belief, mm. but what about for the guy out there who's 18, 19, hasn't been picked up, but has that. Mm. Because I feel like, obviously, the sport has got professional far earlier, but I feel like there's a, a point where people start to give up too early now where they're like, oh, I haven't yeah. made this age-grade team or whatever. Where, where, where do you draw the line there? Like, if a kid out there has, has talent and is good but hasn't been picked up but is just obsessed with it and wants to do it, like, do they keep pushing or what's your advice to that person? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's something I get asked um, quite a bit. The way that I would approach it is, yes, there will come a, a, a point in time where um, I guess the writing's on the wall that you might not pursue it uh, or, or fulfill that dream. But understand that if it gets to that point, it actually hasn't been in vain because it's the actual process and journey and what you've been able to accomplish just to get to where you are, even though you may not have made it, that's invaluable. And what that tells me is that, look, you've got all these great attributes. Maybe, maybe you were destined for something 
somewhere else. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, okay, this is the goal, right, that I was striving for. I'm not going to discard this whole process and journey that I went on. This could actually be part of a bigger goal that I didn't even know. Maybe it's this, right? So that's where, where I say to those young players who, you know what, even if you don't get picked in, in teams, and if you're still in an age where you think you have, can still go, go. But if you get to the point where, okay, I'm, I'm 25, 26, or, you know, around that, that sort of age, you go, okay, look, I gave it my best shot. Mm-hmm. I haven't failed. I'm just going to now pursue something that's along this other journey, but still learn from what I've been through. Yeah, that's fantastic advice because no matter what you're doing in life, yeah, as long as you're learning and building skills and growing, it's never in vain. What, yeah. Touching on that, what's your relationship with failure? Man, what's my relationship with failure? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I am absolutely, um, the biggest thing with failure to me is I try and fail as fast as I can. Um, and because the faster you can fail, the faster you can learn, which means you can keep moving forward. Um, My mindset around failure is really like, if you're not failing, you're not growing. Mm. Like, can you imagine waking up every day and you're living your dream, right? Like whatever your dream is, you just woke up one day and it's all there. How bored would that life be? Yeah, right. Because you haven't been conditioned to live that dream, right? Now imagine living that dream after two, three, four, five years of being conditioned to finally get there. You're going to appreciate it more. <laughs> so much, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, the struggle and the journey is everything. I mean, you know, we talk about that in business, talk about that in sport, but it's, it's one thing that is you see out there and everyone's trying to shortcut the struggle. Like it's something that we, we all do. Like whether you start a business, you want to get straight to the finish line, but the people who are successful are the ones who can fall in love with the process. And that's what you're saying about sport. Um, and along those struggles and along those journeys, on route to that destination, you grow and become a different person. You pick up skill sets and mm. you can then go and be great in all sorts of different areas. How much of your professional, uh, your mindset from professional sport helped you go ahead and do what you do in business? Man, that's been huge. And it really has. It's been... Um, it's been such a, an asset to have played professional sport um, and then to do what I do now. You know, we talk about business, you know, entrepreneurship. And, you know, one of the things that, that most startup business owners or entrepreneurs will face is failure. 100%. Um, and so the moment you can shift your mindset to, to say, yeah, look, I'm going to fail at some point, but I know that I'm resilient enough to keep going. And that's me, what I learned from sport, more so often than on it. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, was what I had to face off the field. Um, the on-field stuff in terms of like um, focus and time management, all that stuff has helped me with, with creating and developing athlete empire. So it's been such a, a massive learning curve, but I, I also know that you know professional sport has played a big part in sort of uh, what I do in, in my business and life as well. Yeah, for sure. In, in terms of, um, I'm just just going back like to, we're talking about failure. Mm. You had to face some pretty public failures as a professional athlete. Like, you know, it's one thing to fail in business. You've got to face your friends and family and you've got to face the disappointment of yourself. 
but it's different when it's strung out in the media and it's there for everyone to see and read and ride. Um, how did you pick yourself up at those lowest times as a player? Was there things that you did to deal with failure that you still use to this day? Or what were sort of the, some of the coping mechanisms that you used? Man, that's a good question. When I look back, I didn't really deal with it that well. And I'm, you know, I'm being honest. I didn't know how to deal with it. The only way I guess I knew to deal with it was with drinking. Um, and the fact that I actually played the amount of games that I did was a miracle. Um, <laughs> because the stuff that, you know, I did off the field and everything was, yeah. It, and you're right. You know, my, my life was played out in the, in the media, especially here in New Zealand which is why when I finished, I moved to Brisbane and I vowed never to come back to New Zealand. Really? Uh, yeah. It was, I was at that point where I'm never coming back to this place. You know, um, but if you look at it from, I guess, where I am right now, I'm, I'm sort of you know, active on social media. I released a book. You know, I've given a few media interviews already since coming back to New Zealand. And I'm basically putting out in public my startup, Athlete Empire. Now, Imagine if I fail. It's gonna. I'm failing in front of my seventeen thousand followers. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, but now I'm like, you know what? It's the way that I see it is that I'm not going to sort of let the fear of failure stop me from adding value on social media. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm just going to continue to try and add as much value as I can as I build this company from the ground up. So, um, but yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. There are nights where I'm like, <laughs> man, should I just delete all my pages like, <laughs> and just go into hibernation and, and maybe come out once this is up? I don't know, but yeah. It, the, you touch on an interesting thing there though, because you talked about uh, adding value. You said, um, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to add value through social media. The difference there is that you're going out with the you, you've got a genuine belief and a genuine passion in what you do and the fact that it betters people's lives and so you're not going into this business for the pure sake of trying to make money you're going in because you've, you've got a mission and yeah. that's a crucial point for everyone to pick up on you know like it's like what you said with sport it's the exact same thing where you said if you're just going in to be a player and the fame and whatever then you're going to get found out i think mm -hmm. that's the same in business as well you're going to get yeah. found out whereas if you have a greater purpose like becoming a great player and being the best person for that club and being a legend of the club and, and legacy, mm. that same thing that you talked about earlier with rugby league applies directly to sport and is what gets people through those tough times where failure is imminent, but they keep pushing because they just mm. genuinely believe so much. Yeah. And then that's an awesome way to summarize it. It really is right. Like if I was, if it was all about the money, I would have, I would have quit ages ago. <laughs> I'm going on four years on this journey. Right? Yeah. If it was all about the money, I would have. There was no way I would have lasted this long. Right. And so, if you go back to the first time I launched my public page, and you go through every post, you will see what I've been through. Mm. Um, you know, yes, I've been a speaker. Yes, I've been a coach. Right. Yep. I had a laundromat business. Yep. I've done this, but this is where I'm going. And and you know, throughout the four years, and then Athlete Empire was born. Right? People don't realize that where Athlete Empire is now is almost four years to get just to here. Yeah. Right? Like, and so I had to go through that journey just to get here. And most people don't realize. And if you think about, you know, um, 
the founder of Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos. They didn't know that for the first seven years, the dude was working out of his house <laughs> and hardly making money. The first, you know, five to seven years. So, yes, this is, for me, that's true entrepreneurship, right? Is when you're able to continue. Like, I've had conversations with people who message me all the time, we'll jump on a call. I give them as, as much advice as I can, the same advice that um, I used to give my private clients. Six months down the track, see them again, nothing's happened. Hmm. They started something, they gave up. And I'm like, hmm. You know, yeah, and that, that's, that, why, yeah. that's something to really to drive on for you know that that point right there about that grit and that determination and that that mental toughness and fortitude is mm. to be successful in anything in life to achieve anything that's meaningful you have to have that and like i you know i help people in the online space as well with growth of businesses and stuff like that and mm. one of the key attributes i've used it multiple times this week because of the current climate where you know the reality is right now is a very turbulent time for business particularly if you don't have that resilience built over a number of years so like if you've got in in the last two years and you're here right now you're going fuck like this thing's full on yeah the, the reality is for people like yourself and like myself who have maybe had a few more scars and have been beaten up a little bit in the past mm. you're already prepared for it and so i've had to use those lines exactly in the last couple of weeks where i'm like you know the guy that got big and strong in the gym got big and strong because of the amount of pain he put himself through every single day going in and lifting heavier, pushing harder. And that's just like unavoidable in business and unavoidable in sport and unavoidable in any pursuit that's meaningful, right? Yeah. And that's something for young people in particular to really grab hold of because I think in our society in particular, there's so much where we just try and skip all of that and mm. just be good at something. And like we don't start stuff unless we're good at it and we don't put ourselves out there unless it's perfect and we don't do this. And one thing I've really admired about your journey in business, I've followed from the beginning, I've followed you since mm. you're an athlete is the fact that you have been courageous enough to document the journey, mm. not just put up the perfect finish line. And I just, oh, think yeah. that's, just think that's a massive point for anyone that's listening to, to really understand whether it's business or whatever else. It's like you cannot skip that process and that mental fortitude that's developed over that time is the most important ingredient. <laughs> it is. And, and it, it, it really is. And that's why I think, you know, it's the same with, you know, I guess, any high-paying job right, like a doctor or a lawyer, it's going to take years of hard work to graduate, which is why there's not many of them, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the same for professional athletes, um, business owners. and it, it, There's a special kind of, of person. And when I mean special kind, you just need to be able to, to embrace challenges and failures and be resilient enough to keep going. And that's why, you know, I guess you and I both know that, you know, not everyone's cut out for this this type of stuff. My wife's not. (laughs) Like, I know people who who aren't. So, but you don't know unless you try. Yeah, that's right. Right. How will you know if you're cut out for it unless you give it a go? Do you reckon in terms of entrepreneurship and that, do you reckon that that stuff can be learned? Like, or to what degree can that be learned? Because the first failures and that are painful and, I mean, I, I personally feel like the more adversity you've had in your life, and over the last couple of weeks in particular, I've interviewed, you know, you're probably about the 10th person that I've interviewed, and the common theme in every single interview of someone who's gone on to do something great is that they had severe adversity at some point in their lives, and they've mm-hmm. used that adversity to get to where they are. Can you talk to that for a bit as well? How, like, I mean, I know we're already talking about the mental toughness and stuff, yep. but like those severe adversities must be the reason that you are able to push forward with the attitude that you have right now? Um, look, uh, me personally, 
I'm going to have to disagree with that. Right, okay. Uh, and the reason why I disagree with that is because maybe, just maybe, this, the adversity that you're meant to face is by launching your product or service or idea. Maybe that's where you're supposed to embrace and start to experience that sort of adversity. Right? Maybe you've lived a perfect life all the way up until this point and this is what you're after and this is where you're supposed to be. Maybe it's that. Right? Mm. And so the reason why I say that is because I don't want people to fall into this mindset to say, man, I've never struggled in my life. I cannot be an entrepreneur. That's bullcucker. Yeah, right? totally. It really is. Because if you've got an idea that's validated, then let's start, right? And then, yes, whatever challenges and stuff you face during this phase, maybe that's the moment you're supposed to learn how to overcome challenges and stuff, right? And so that's why I tend to sort of say that, yes, entrepreneurship can be learned, um, but are you prepared and willing to overcome the challenges that that, that will will happen, right? Yeah, I like I get, yeah, I get it all the time, bro, especially when I work with athletes. Um, and even before I worked with athletes and helping, um, uh, I guess, professionals build personal brands and stuff, one of the common things they say is, well, Sion, I don't have a story. I'm like, oh, actually, my life's been pretty good, <laughs> right? Like, I don't have an adversity story. And I'm like, so? You don't have to have one. You just need to highlight why your life is good. Because I can tell you now, there's people in the same position as you. Right? Mm. So you start to highlight how you've been able to not have adversity. Right? So That's an interesting, let's go there because uh, personal branding is incredibly important uh, in mm. the current climate. Uh, you have launched a very successful personal brand. Obviously, a lot of your work now is teaching athletes how to leverage mm. their personal brands. How does someone go about, what's your advice based on your learning so far and your success in that space about launching a personal brand? Um, what are sort of the key steps or what's your advice around that? Yeah, no, that's cool. So the first thing is, and this is obviously my thoughts on it, is if you look at the definition of a brand, a brand is a product or service, which means you have to have something to sell. If you don't have something to sell, do not launch a personal brand. Okay? It's as simple as that. Like, the reason why is because unless you're, like, retired and you've got nothing to do, then, well, go ahead, right? Launch a personal brand and have it be a hobby. <laughs> but if you want to create a personal brand, the personal brand is the shop front for something to sell. That is, that is it. So now that you know that, that's my definition. So now you figure out what it is that you want to sell and then you build your personal brand based around this. And so, which is why I moved and focused on athletes because athletes already have a profile. Mm. So they've already got this large social media following. So now we work with them in finding out what this is and then we can work on the shop front because mm. <laughs> they've already got 100, 120,000 followers. Right? Yeah, they're, they're in the, I've always thought about athletes. I mean, like they're just they're, they're sitting duck. They're the perfect people. They've, mm. got, they've got the easiest start yes. in terms of they've already got an established brand. They're already idolized. They've already got loyal followers and true fans. And, you know, probably 98% of them don't ever leverage that in any way whatsoever. Yeah. And the reason they don't is because they don't know how. Mm. Right? No, there's no one teaching them this stuff. Right? Mm. And so, you know, yep, you can go and take a diploma in business, but then you're wasting your, your money. 100%. You're, it's just a waste of time for athletes. But for someone that's not an athlete, 
that wants to create a personal brand, first figure out what it is that you want to offer, and then your personal brand is just an extension of this offer, which is an extension of you. Mm. (laughs) And so that's how you start to, for me, is building a personal brand because um, if you're not building a personal brand, then you're just an influencer and you don't want to be one of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what what a um when it comes to like let's just go back to the athletes like what obviously those guys are probably put in a pretty good position where they've got a lot of their skills and attributes already through professional sport mm. but they're probably people who have never had to think about creating products or doing anything outside of being paid to play sport and so yes. how difficult is it to find the sweet spot or what's your advice around finding the sweet spot in terms of like what that first product or offer or, or thing could be for someone to go out and sell. Yeah. And so the first one is validation. And so validating a product or, or service. Right? Um, and that, and I actually just did an Instagram TV thingy on it about half an hour ago. Uh, um, and it's something as easy as doing a short video on Instagram story. And just saying, hey, look, I've got this idea of launching a T-shirt brand, right? Uh, it's going to be this, this, and this. If it sounds like something that you may be interested in, swipe up and just you know, drop your email address, uh, and I'll <laughs> let you know. I'll let you know when it when it launches, right? Come back to that after twenty four hours. If there's a hundred emails, you're good to go launch. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's the first step is to validate, right? So first, find interest from your followers. And then the second one is to look at the market. If there's someone else already making money in that market, you're pretty much, you got two things to validate that idea. I call it the ideation stage. Um, and then you launch an MVP. Like, for no money. I'll give, I'll give an example. One of the athletes who's part of our online learning platform, he launched a short video yesterday um, promoting our, our platform. And he sent it to, I think, four or five other athletes. I think the total f- total followership was around 700,000 followers. Yeah. And there's no, it was just through Instagram stories. I just checked the data and we've had over 3,000 page visits. Wow. And it's, that hasn't even been a full 24 hours. Yeah, right. Now, if you're paying 50 cents, right, per page visit, <laughs> right, that's like, do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. And so these athletes, like, I just ran, like, a little campaign up, and I paid 200 bucks to get 400 page visits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and this was all organic. Yeah. And so this is the power of the athlete brand. They just need someone uh, who can teach them, which is pretty much the other side of what we do with Athlete Empire is we look to launch our agency. Yes. Oh, so you're actually going to be doing done for your services as well because you've got uh, the coaching and the mentoring and the support and sort of, I guess, uh, online courses. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to go into actually implementation because that's the other thing, right? You can have the knowledge, but then if you don't have the skills to go out and implement and you haven't built a team before and you don't understand design and Facebook ads and traffic and click funnels or whatever it is that you're using, mm-hmm. then there's a lot of obstacles in the way to getting you know even an MVP out. So talk to me about that. You're going to go and do done for you services for athletes on the yeah. Yep. So what we're doing is we've been testing with the current athletes at the moment. And so what we've found is there's two types of athletes. Uh, there's those that, uh, that are pretty happy to sort of like learn and go do it themselves. And then there's those who are like, nah, cuz just do it all for us. Eh? So cool. 
So that's what we're, we're, we're going to be launching. The Athlete Empire Academy, which we're looking at separating the branding, is our membership site, yep. which is mainly for aspiring professional athletes. Yep. That platform is my, like, that's my heart, heart business, you know? Like, that's the one where I'm like, you know, this is, this is where I want to be able to, to have a positive impact on our next generation of sports stars. And for the athletes that we have on the platform as well, that's their, that's what they do. They want to be able to positively impact the next generation. So that's the platform. And then our other side of Athlete Empire, which is the agency side, which is we will be launching a a done-for-you service for for athletes. And so, and look, to be honest, that's, to launch the agency has been two years in the making. (laughs) Like, it really has. Because I had to go through and do the mahi with each and every, one of the athletes to find out what is the best way to serve them. Yeah, to get those systems and those frameworks, yeah. Yep. So, you know, we've got two athletes that are about to launch an MVP this week. Uh, And so, you know, it's pretty exciting. And But we also, you know, we're also mindful of, of, look, yes, you've got a lot of downtime now while we're in lockdown and everything's going on. But we also got to be mindful of what's realistic once the season starts back up. Yeah. And so that's something that we're, we're trying to take into consideration when we work with them. Because the last thing we want for them to do is to be so successful and then let's say this and then they're like, oh, and it has a negative effect on their, their game. Right? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, we still want to be able to make sure that they keep the main thing the main thing and that's being the best athlete they can. Yeah, that's awesome. What's your advice for young athletes out there who, like, I know that you said, you know, have something to sell, but those young athletes right now who are just gunning for becoming professional sports stars, um, obviously they don't need to be thinking about necessarily going out and selling right now, but they mm. do should probably be thinking about building a brand. What's your advice for those guys? Because uh, you don't want to get to 25 and have wasted six years where you could have been mm. building a follow a follower base, right? Yep, and that's a good question. So for Aspiring. So when I said have something to sell, obviously I'm really speaking to the current market of athletes. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Um, but for young aspiring athletes, the one thing, the one thing I would say to them in building a brand um, is to be consistent. Right. Just post. Just be consistent in your posting. Don't overthink it because at that young age, they're still learning who they are. Mm. And so the last thing I want to be able to tell them is, look, you need to be posting about this, 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 and this. No, just post what comes naturally to you and just share who you are at the time. And, you'll, and what you'll find is that becomes a more authentic brand as, as they get older, right? If it's doing TikTok videos and dancing because you're an awesome dancer too, that's it, right? If you like making funny videos or maybe you're just a hardcore trainer and you just want to record yourself doing shuttles, so just that's what I would tell a young sparring athlete to do is yeah. to just yeah, be themselves and just record and be consistent. Yeah, that's right. Because people follow people, right? And it's one of the things with athletes yeah. is which social media has allowed, which is amazing, is that behind the scenes look. Like we only ever got delivered the media front of athletes. Yeah. And for someone like myself, who's a massive sports fan, you know, that's a polished version. It's not the person. That's who they present in media. And the reality is, Social media has enabled us to see behind the curtain, to get to know the person, to see what they do in their daily lives. But I do feel like most athletes just don't even capitalize on that. And it's something as simple as documenting your day, showing yourself when you're off for a train, talking about what's going on in your life. Like people are fascinated by that. That's why reality TV is such a big. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, it's not just athletes. 
right? It's people in general. It's everyone, yeah. It's human nature that we are just scared to jump on and do a Facebook Live. Yeah, totally. You, you know, like it's just yeah. Some, but what you'll find is that there's a there's a like a, a tipping point that once you do it for the first time on social media, that's enough to then engage you to continue doing it. Yeah. But for most people, they can't they can't go past that tipping point. Oh no, there's no way I can do a live. No, yeah. I'm not posting a, a video <laughs> of me. Right? Like you watch my first video that I did, and and it's funny. It was just sharing three tips on how young professional, uh, young aspiring professional rugby league players can improve their game. And like, it had twenty something thousand views, organic. But all I and if you watch it, I'm like, hi, I'm Sione Fomina. And if this video, like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, but I did it, and I tell you what, when I look at that first video to where I am now, I am where I am today because I had to do that first one. Yeah, totally, man. It's all a game of momentum. You can't, you cannot sit and do it in your head. You have to get out and do it. And and once you get that momentum, it becomes an infectious thing anyway. It becomes easy, but building that momentum is difficult. Yeah, yeah. What 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 about regrets, bro? Like looking back on your career, do you have regrets about the fact that your career finished early? Are you at peace with that side of things? I mean, people get you know in general get hung up and probably batter themselves too much hanging on to stuff that happened on the past, which stops them moving forward and, and looking or creating a compelling future for themselves. What's your relationship with regret and how have you dealt with that side of things? Yeah, I can be upfront and say that I'm at peace with, with the past in terms of my sporting career. Uh, I'm not going to lie and say that um, it was all roses when I finished playing. No, it wasn't. Um, there was a sort of period there where it sort of really did affect me um, in terms of, man, I just wasted massive opportunity um, but I'm also grateful that I went through that because I most probably wouldn't be sort of headed on this path and journey and so I guess the bigger picture for me was I actually had to go through all of that to be on this path that I'm on now and and you touched on it before I'm not driven by money I'm actually driven by legacy and how I'm going to build my legacy is by helping as many um, people as possible through I guess the work I'm doing with Athlete Empire. Yeah, nice, man. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where I just think it's so valuable. You, you, you've already touched on it when you said you learned to fail fast, and that's one of the best things. But that's also failing fast is a lesson and not attaching yourself to things and being able to understand that yes. you know you can let go and it's your failures are not you. It's just a thing that happened, right? And it's uh, it's an incredibly powerful mindset for people to adopt. It is. You're so right. It really is. Like Athlete Empire. Uh, when I first launched it two years ago, it's not the same athlete empire it is today, right? And it failed miserably the first time, and I walked away from it for a year. So you know what I mean, like. So it is what it is, and uh, you just got to be prepared and, and carry on moving forward. How important is having a network and and mentors and coaches and people to to guide you? Um, you know, you've you've navigated an entirely new world. Um, What's your advice to someone out there around that side of things in terms of building a team and, and that type of thing? Like, do you think that you can do it on your own or should people be looking to build a team and have good advice around them? Like, what's your take on that? It all depends on where you are in the phase of your business. I guess if you're in startup and let's say cash is pretty slim uh, and you have to do it on your own, that's fine. But then there's also, um, I guess, mentors out there that could, potentially help if you can afford it, right? 
me personally, it's very difficult to try and build it, uh, something from scratch by yourself. And no one ever really um, achieved anything great by themselves. And if they did, they lied. Right? <laughs> like, there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. Like, yeah. There's always been someone in the background helping. Um, and so I guess the biggest thing for me was I have uh, a mentor and we touch base each and every week. That has been the biggest sort of uh, learning for me because if it's, all, if, if it's just you, what's going to happen is that when the going does get tough, uh, there's a high chance that you'll quit because mm. you don't have all the answers. And so when you have someone else who is smarter than you, then it's only going to accelerate your learning and your business because now it's, you're not by yourself. And so for me, when I first started, I guess, after the empire, I was like, man, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be this and that. And then, right? <laughs> and then now I've learned from that to know that, okay, here it is. Here's how I'm going to, you know, uh, cut spending. Here's the mentor that I have. Uh, here are the contractors that I need for this task. So, you know, you just become more strategic and know that pretty much, what you're trying to do if you're just a solopreneur right, is you're trying to just focus on the task that is going to make the most impact. And so when you can focus on those tasks, then you will see a massive shift. The whole 80-20 rule, right? 80% mm. of your results will come from 20% of the work you do. Um, and so for me, I know that there are three main tasks that, that I do that will help move the needle. Everything else I will either automate or uh, send it to someone else. Yeah. Um, that someone else is $3 an hour in the Philippines. Right? So that's, that's pretty much sort of what I've learned is that you can't do it by yourself, but if you have to, then try and get to a place where you can get a mentor as fast as you can. Mm. And a big part of that um, from watching your journey and, and my own experience as well is that hunger for learning uh, and growth because I know for a fact that a lot of the time that you had, even at the start of Athlete Empire, you were reading books, you were studying, you were doing courses, you were watching stuff, like you were hungry to learn the skills as well, which is a, a big part of it. You have to. When you're by yourself, like when you're starting out, you've got no other choice. You've got to wear the marketing hat. You've got to wear the content creator hat. You've got to wear the, like you have to wear every hat. And so, it's funny that you say that because on my other screen here, I'm just looking at my Facebook ads, right? Six weeks ago, I had no idea how to do this, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I had no idea how to do campaigns. Yep. But for the last six weeks, I was put away between two and four hours a day learning how to do Facebook. Right? And so I almost fell off my seat when we got our first sale on the first campaign that I ran for conversions, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so now I'm like, cool, I had no other choice. One, I couldn't afford to pay a digital marketing company to do it for me um, at 3K a month plus ad spend. Yeah, exactly. And so no, all I did was just purchase a $100 course and learn taught myself. <laughs> so, and that's the biggest thing when you're starting out by yourself and why I see so many, I guess, solopreneurs fail is because they're not willing to learn what it takes. And yes, there's no other way around it. If you're starting out by yourself and you don't have the funds, you've got to wear every hat. So, 100%. That's good advice. What is, just a few more questions for you. I, want, I mean, I could talk to you for ages, but I just want to be respectful of your time as well, bro. Yeah, but yeah. I, um, 
what's the impact that you strive to have? You're driven by helping people. I know that. What What is the legacy that you're trying to create for yourself? Man, that's a good question. Bro, I've never shared this with you, right? Um, yeah. The legacy that I'm trying to create is really for two, two people. One is my wife um, and the second is my kids. And so the legacy I want to leave behind them is to show them that, look, if you have a great, like a really big purpose in life and you have dreams and we hear it all the time and you go and pursue it wholeheartedly and you can, you can achieve it. And the underlying theme behind that for me, bro, is being Samoan. And so if I can inspire our people through action um, and say, look, man, because statistics tells me that I should be working on $21 an hour as a laborer because i got no education. <laughs> I don't have a degree or nothing. All I did was play sport. But for me, is, is that's the big legacy is if I can leave this world and, and have a positive impact on people, but more specifically uh, my like Polynesian Samoan people, that I did it. And what does I did it mean? It means that I've created a business that allows me the freedom to spend the time and do the things with the people that I love. So that's the legacy that I'm trying to do and, and sort of build. And one of the ways that I get to do that is working with these awesome athletes that I love working with. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, and so when I started creating this, getting on this whole journey, I knew one goal, and this for me was to build a business around my life, not the other way around. And if I have to take 10 years to do it, I'll do it for 10 years because then I've got 25, 30 plus years to do whatever the hell I want. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of where, how this whole journey has started. <laughs> I, I love it, bro. Three pieces of advice for 20-year-old Sioni based on everything that you've learned. Are you serious? Um, okay, first piece of advice for 20-year-old Sioni is to find a trustworthy well, this sounds like, uh, financial advisor. Right? The first thing 20-year-old Sioni has to do is learn how to handle money. And so um, that's the first thing I would do. Um, the second thing I would do is uh, study, right, I, um, when I was younger, is to get um, a diploma or, or some form of formal qualification. The reason I say that is because I know that I'm a terrible learner. And so me doing that would be just to tick off the, that box to say, I've got something that's worth a piece of shit, but I got it. <laughs> like, that's just my own personal thing. Um, and then thirdly um, would be to give back. Like 20 Opsionas playing professional sport would be to start doing stuff in the community uh, and using your profile. For and those were the, the three pieces of advice because I find that if I had done number three, everything off the field wouldn't have happened. Mm. Um, because being around um, and doing community work and doing stuff and like serving the community, it changes your mindset, which is like, it's like, it's not about me. I'm in this position now where I can make a positive impact. And, in the community right? and so i'm going to carry myself as someone who's respected as something i'm not doing things to try and uh bring embarrassment to myself the club or the family so those are the three pieces of advice i'll give young 
20-year-old Sione. Nice, bro. That's powerful. The, the third one in particular around serving other people and having a bigger purpose, I think, is huge. Like, mm. The reality is, I'm sure for most of us, the goal in life is to be as happy as possible. And for me, anyway, I've found that when you can look past yourself and start to go out there and serve other people, uh, that's where the most joy and fulfillment and genuine satisfaction comes from. So yeah. I think thing number three is a big piece of advice for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last question for you, bro. Um, what are you like? We get one life. We, it's our time, our chance to go out there and make the most of, of what we have. What does it mean to you to go out there and live life to the fullest? Oh, man. Um, living life to the fullest for me. Like right now, um, it is, I guess, doing what I'm doing. Um, and being an entrepreneur and, and you know, being a father um, is pretty much trying to be the best at the roles that I've been given. So when I've got my entrepreneur hat on, I'm going to try and be the best entrepreneur. When I've, when I've finished this call and go outside those doors, I'm going to try and be the best dad that I can, um, best husband. Um, and so living life to the fullest is, is making sure you're being the best person in the role that you're given at that time. So, you know, um, and I'm not going to lie, I struggle right like uh in the different roles but all i do know is that i'm consciously aware of where i need to to be better and so as a parent i try not to take my phone out of the office when it's family time like little stuff like that um and so for me that's pretty much what i i try and strive for in living life to the fullest nice one bro hey i just want to take a moment to acknowledge <coughs> you man um like i said you're a powerhouse on the field and i it got a lot of uh entertainment and enjoyment watching and following your career uh but watching you transition into that second phase as you call it um and kind of use your adversity and your story to really go out there and serve people uh, and do it in the way that you have done where you've worn your heart on your sleeves you've been honest about the, the the whole journey you've shared it for people to see and there's just so much power in that um so i just want to acknowledge you for for doing that bro and for the work that you're doing out there i know that um there's a lot of athletes who'd be very lucky to come across you and you know to be able to fast track their journey in business uh, and branding through uh, your skills and, and experience. Uh, and I just yeah, really wish you all the best and hope that you continue to push forward with your mission because it's one that I'm fascinated with, uh, but I think it's an important role to play as well. So, Awesome. No, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, all the best with your journey as well. Uh, and look forward to seeing you grow and, and smashing some goals. Yeah, thanks, bro. Hey, and just for people, anyone who watched this who wants to learn more about Athlete Empire or follow your journey, where are the best places to find you, bro? Yep, so on Facebook and Instagram, right, uh, Athlete Empire, and also my own personal pages as well, Siona Fomina, um, and then website www.athleteempire.co.au. Fantastic. Hey, Sione, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, bro, and connect. Really appreciate your time and wish you all the best moving forward. Cheers, brother. Thanks a lot. So there you have it guys, another episode down. I hope that inspired you and added value to your life in some way. Uh, if you're finding value in the content, all I ask is that you do me a favor, share it out with your network or even leave a review on the podcast. And uh, if you haven't already, subscribe so that I can notify you when new episodes go live each week. I hope you have an awesome day today and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.